Applications are now open for the 2022 Hurston Wright Writers Week retreats. Retreats this year are taking place at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia, Rutgers University in Newark, New Jersey, and Howard University in Washington, D.C. To learn more and to apply, please visit HurstonWright.org. Welcome to the Black Writers Studio, a podcast presented by the Hurston Wright Foundation and hosted by Dr. Khadija Ali Coleman. The Black Writers Studio is dedicated to showcasing Black writers who are transforming the world today with their literary pen and creating a legacy for the culture. Rage Hezekiah is a New England-based poet and educator who earned her MFA from Emerson College. She has received fellowships from Carve Canem, McDowell, and the Ragdale Foundation, and is the recipient of the St. Botolph Foundation's Emerging Artist Award. Her poems have been anthologized, co-translated, and published internationally. I am always thrilled to meet the people that have relationships with Hurston Wright um, Foundation and to learn that you are um, one of our college award finalists and then to to learn about your history and all the things that you've been doing um, since you first encountered Hurston Wright Foundation has um, really been intriguing for me, Rage. So first of all, I think I asked you um, off camera whether or not you identify as a poet or multi-genre writer. And so I would love, I would love for you to, to share just where you are right now in terms of your identity as a writer. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, <laughs> I, so I primarily identify as a poet. I have started in the past couple of years to publish more prose. Um, I published my first review last year and then a couple of other little essays and prose pieces. I'm working on another review now. So it's something that I'm that I'm trying to kind of grow into more of like a multi-genre writer. <laughs> but my my um, my first my first love is poetry. Yeah, you have a couple of books out already. But um, today I know um, we're, we're really going to talk about your forthcoming book, Yearn, that debuts in July. Pre-orders go on sale in March, right? Yeah, thank you. But I, I recall reading um, a little bit about your most recent book, um, Stay, uh, Stray Harbor, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, Stray Harbor. And I, I recall one definition um, or someone talking about how you, you speak about water. Mm-hmm. and um, how the, these different metaphors connected to water. And, you know, I, you know, for those who are into astrology, my, my moon is in cancer. Mm-hmm. I, I consider myself a water baby. I love the <laughs> goddess Mami Wata, right? <laughs> so I would love for you to just share a little bit um, in terms of talking about the, the journey to, to writing the pieces that are in your latest book. Um, not the one that's coming out, but the, the most recent from 2019. What was, was some of the motivation with focusing on water? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the poems in Stray Harbor 
really, you know, the, the collection kind of explores the juxtaposition between um, feeling unmoored and feeling safe. Mm. Um, and I love that idea of kind of um, being like the idea of being in a safe harbor, being cradled, being held, um, and then being astray, being a sea, you know, being in this kind of like groundless, there is no land place. Mm -hmm. um, and so the collection kind of explores those ideas and water has always been kind of a, a central, um, a central aspect of my life. I've always lived by the ocean. Um, I grew up, I grew up on the North shore of Massachusetts by the beach and um, definitely a beach baby and then moved to California and was a, a, a Bay Area person. Um, and I live in Vermont now and it's the first time that I don't live by the ocean. Okay. Um, but I really, I mean, I'm looking out on a pond right now. There's like lots of lots of green space and lots of water. And I, I visit the ocean as often as I can. But um, wow. When we talk about Massachusetts, California, Vermont, three very different writing spaces. Have, have you seen those different environments inspire your, your, your writing in other ways outside of this connection to water? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, when I was in grad school, I used to joke all the time that my my goal was to not write poems about birch trees. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I, I feel this, um, I'm a Taurus. Okay. Um, and so like very much earth, earth right. this, like very rooted, grounded, I want to know, like the name of every tree and plant, I have a bird feeder, I'm constantly, oh, like, you know, obsessed with, um, nature and the things outside my window and so that has always found its way into my work um I I just had a poem that was published in the cider press review called my wife was right um and it's about my wife being right that these mice got back into where we we thought we distracted <laughs> them from um, <laughs> My, I was talking to my dad yesterday and he was just like, you know, I really liked that poem. I liked the title of the poem. And we were talking about, and I, and I was saying like, there are so many mice poems in my new book because I live in the woods now and, <laughs> and I live with mice. <laughs> oh, know? wow. Like, I mean, there, there are mice, there are mice in my life in a way that they have not been before. Um, <laughs> you know, we have a cat and we have traps and it's, it's all good. Um, but <laughs> That's I hilarious. just getting into that awareness of like, you know, having new creatures in my life that I'm like, oh, and how do I, how do I feel about living with these? How do I feel about killing these? Um, right, so I think right. that has happened with, with all types of flora and fauna in all the places I've lived for sure. That's so fascinating when, um, and it's funny. I went, when I think of, um, nature poems, I always think of Robert Frost and I would have to admit that he's one of my, my early favorites when I just, um, started to, you know, 10th grade English, when you start learning about the classics and, um, you know, American poets, he's always, the first mm -hmm. one they hand to you on a platter. So I love Robert Frost. Um, and I'd love to know who, who are some of those, those writers who have influenced you? Um, I know that when you even think about um, writers of color and the mm -hmm. things that we talk about, um, 
I really can't th- I, on my hand I can't even think of the ones that focus on nature and in the mm-hmm. ways that um that you're speaking as part of our everyday um rather than it just being metaphorical who were some mm-hmm. of your early um poets who inspired your writing style yeah um I mean the first one that I kind of think of that I latched on to really early um was uh Sandra Cisneros um and reading the house on mango street as a young person um which is like more of a novella but then i you know every saturday i would walk to the library and i would come home with like a new collection of her poems i feel like i learned so much about what writing could be from her writing about the body and sexuality and her family and shame and she was somebody who um I was in eighth grade when we read um, The House on Mango Street. And I, you know, there were there were pieces of that book that I just, that were lodged in my heart that I still think about all the time, like lines and things. And so um, she has always been someone that I have really identified with and who, um, who really helped me to, to start putting my feelings onto onto the page and um, bringing my voice to my own writing. That that's wonderful. I know that I was reading an interview you did. I can't remember when exactly um, it had been conducted and published, but I recently came upon it. And you were talking about you were asked about um, your writing journey, and you were talking about at the time you were at a place where you now feel that you begin have begun to take risks with your writing. And I would love to know what have um, some of those risks been? Um, Looking back now, you have this body of work. What can you you say have been some of the risks that you're taking now that you probably wouldn't have taken before? Yeah, um, I love that question. I, um, so, you know, that whole joke about not writing about birch trees, I think that I started to realize in grad school that I was really, I was playing it safe and I knew the things that I could do well um, sonically and lyrically and with images. And I was like, let's just make beautiful poems, <laughs> you know, like, and there's, you know, I care deeply about making beautiful poems. I want to make beautiful poems. Um, but I think starting to bring voice to, um, you know, trauma and violence and um, my body and my sexuality. Um, I took a course with um, Reginald Dwayne Betts in my MFA program. And I remember him having us write a poem that we didn't want to write. Um, and it's something that something that Toy Derricott talks about all, all of the time too, is like write the hard poem. Like what are the things that you don't want to give voice to Mm -hmm. and I think the more that I lean into that space um you know this new collection really grapples a lot with um with my sexuality and and my journey with infertility which um has been like so secretive and shameful Mm -hmm. and like you know I don't want to talk about this I don't want this to be happening I feel like a victim to this situation Mm -hmm. and starting to give voice to that and say like the level that my desire is at is so uncomfortable like Mm -hmm. here here is how it feels to want something so much that it seems like lots of people have um you know being able to be 
transparent about that and give voice to it, even though, you know, I want to lock it away and, and never talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and being public with it. That's, that's yeah. the thing is you, you're releasing it and then you now are showcasing it for, for folks to, to, to do with it what they will. Right. Yeah. Have, have you, um, in, encountered a moment where, um, when putting together your book collections, where at the last minute you've had to snatch something out and, and say, I'm not ready right now to share this. And it may come out later in a, in another collection. That's a good, that's a good question. You know, I, I haven't had that experience at this point. I, I have had the experience of people that I love dearly in my life asking me not to name um, specific things that that have happened mm-hmm. in their lives that feel like they've affected me. Um, I have had the conversation with with folks just saying like, that's not your story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of those things that, that I've heard so many writers face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from my own experience, um, I am really finding um, just the the strength of the reward that comes out when I am willing to um, to really lay it all out on the table and and be really transparent about my own experience and what I find is what comes back to me is people say me too mm-hmm. and I don't have to be alone in my mm-hmm. in my shame and in my secrecy and in my um, my unwillingness to to talk about and to be with these hard things. That's great. I know um, you've 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 talked before um, in other interviews about your writing practice, and you know I'll be yet the third or fourth <laughs> interviewer to ask you about your writing practice, and and I would love to know, um, you know, as when you share with different folks what your your writing practice is, is it usually a new element to it? Does it evolve? Has it um, stayed the same? And I would love to know um, how early did you even, um, could you say that you have a practice as opposed to I write, but you know, being just um, intrinsically aware that there's a practice that's involved, that certain things have to be in place in order for you to write. I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. Yeah, um, so I have, I have always been a morning person um, for as long as I have conscious thoughts on this planet. Like um, I wake up and I wanna be in the world. (laughs) Um, And so my writing practice has always happened first thing in the morning. Um, I think probably um, before I started to study writing um, formally, um, I, I was kind of fitting in writing where I could. And I think when I was in my MFA program, I was hearing a lot of, a lot of my teachers and mentors say like, this needs to be something that you dedicate yourself to on a regular basis. You need to carve out time for it. It needs to be intentional. It needs to be structured. Um, And, you know, structure and intentionality are two things that really work for me. Um, So I started um, probably in the last like, eight years, um, getting up every morning, going to my desk and just doing something related Mm -hmm. to my writing. Um, 
And it's like, it's the space where all of like the book promotion and emailing and submissions and all of those things happen too. all the like administrative work of being a writer, um, but also all of the, um, the editing and crafting and revising and typing up poems happens in that space too. Um, and in the last couple of years, I have had um, just a lot, a lot more space to give myself that um, time and spaciousness to to dedicate dedicate myself to it more fully instead of trying to, you know, really fit it into this one hour period first thing in the morning. That sounds wonderful. I know um, that is something that I have always attested to is having that time carved out, um, whether it's like what you say, it's that time that you're on social media promote. I have my hands in so many different things. So I need to be organized in order to get it all done. And I find that with a lot of writers, um, that writing practice really is what differentiates you from someone who wants to write to someone who is writing because you have made that determination that I am going to write every day, even mm -hmm. if it's a sentence. <laughs> so, so I want us to um, definitely get time in to focus on this new book that's coming out. If you can tell us a little bit about it, and um, I think you have something to share from it, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so my new my new collection um, is forthcoming with Diode Editions. It's called Yearn, um, and the collection is an, an exploration of desire, um, kind of from from young teenagehood to um, to adulthood. And it's um, the origin of of the book um, is that I was at a writing retreat and my friend gave me this book. That she was like you have to read this and it's called girls and sex um by peggy orenstein and it is um it's just kind of like a deep dive into the the lives of these young women it's a non-fiction book kind of talking about themselves and their sexuality and i started really thinking about you know what were the messages i got about my own body and consent and desire and um and other people's bodies um I didn't come out as queer until I was 22, but I probably knew when I was about 14. Um, so also kind of exploring like what was happening for me in those years where it didn't feel like this was actually an option and how was I relating to other, other women at that time and how was I relating to you know other girls and, and boys at that time. Um, so, and then also thinking about, you know, the desire for, for not only pleasure as a young person, but also the desire for, um, for just self-abandonment, like the wow. desire to just totally leave my own experience, um, whether that was through drugs or sex or um, codependency. Um, and so thinking, thinking about and looking into that and then you know, I, sh I shared earlier my desire in this moment of having a family and the struggle with infertility. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of, um, you know, keening for, um, for a family and looking around and seeing all the people that, that seem to have achieved that. Um, 
and so also grappling with with the depth of that desire so the the book is kind of um an exploration of of all of those things and so uh, so that is a lot that is yeah. a lot <laughs> That is a lot. So, so my question is, was this, you know, when you even began this, I mean, and then writing poetry, is it, is it all poetry, some prose? Yeah, it's all poetry. Mm-hmm. So, so, so are you, what are you doing? Particularly, I'm thinking about where you say um, you're knowing that you um, were queer as early as 14, but not coming out till 22. So are you looking at journal entries? Are you, how does that that process take place to prepare to write this book that seems to, to contain so many heavy topics and personal topics? Yeah. Um, so I am an avid journaler. I started journaling when I, journaling when I was 12. Um, wow. And so I do have, you know, I have decades of, um, <laughs> of journals that are all like labeled with the years that they cover wow. um, on my bookshelf. And Can so we say meticulous. Wow. <laughs> now, was this you or was this <laughs> someone, <Yeah. laughs> was this someone telling you to do this or you just decided to do this? No, wow. So you were cataloging your work me, yeah. as early as 12. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the, the year labels came later, but I, I was like journaling and saving them and, and keeping them and, and, um, and also just being in that, you know, kind of like obsessive nostalgic, um, I have kind of like always liked the, the time travel of like, okay, it's February 18th, 2022. Like, what was I doing February 18th, like 2006? and being able to kind of I totally get it I am that person too I am so I totally get it sentimental nostalgia all of that yes yeah I love anything that's documenting and you can go back and yeah I I totally get it that's so awesome that you were like that as a young person and you had your own (laughs) your own process already that's wonderful so that I'm sure that was so helpful to go back and to see yeah yeah now with these adult eyes you can now process through yes and so informative too because like even though I have memories of my own you know when I say that I like knew that I was queer at 14 um even in my journals um when I'm exploring like you know masturbation and learning about my body and learning about other people's bodies and all of this stuff there's this you know, there's this fear with putting it onto the page Mm -hmm. that it's going to like become more real. And so like, you can see, like, when I look at my writing, I can see, um, well, I'm having these feelings, but it's probably not what it is, you know, like that, that kind of like immediately trying to, to discredit myself or, or separate myself from my, um, experience. So that I think, um, that's definitely part of part of how I how I did some of the exploration for the book, and also, um, you know, in the same way, keeping all of like my old love letters and decades of emails and all of this kind of um, you know pictures. It's like really easy for me to to travel into old you know relationships and eras and things like that and. Um, and to have those kinds of, to write into those spaces of, 
of memory with a kind of curiosity and a and a, a willingness to to name in this moment what I what I couldn't name to myself back that's then. beautiful do, do you include any of those in the book as like like photograph any of the old archival assets no no but I've been thinking about I've been you know I've been seeing more work that that does that I just read um Tyree Day's Cardinal which has a lot of photographs in it and um Diana Coy Nguyen's um collection Ghost of also has like a lot of like art and photography in it and I've been thinking about you know just the the expansive ways that people are using um poem and photograph and and art um, Mm -hmm. for future projects but I haven't done that yet okay all right but it sounds like that that you have wonderful um things to look at um to 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 remind you I know when I was um reading one of your poems um in preparation for this interview that um you also tend to play with how the words lay on the page Mm -hmm. um and and when so when you were just recalling how you were able to to see and could tell how you wrote as a, a, a young person that it was in a tentative way as to not make it real. I'm wondering if you find a connection when you are placing the words in um in in eclectic ways on the page to read your poetry. Um is there a message that you're trying to convey to the reader in terms of you know, where things are placed? What is the intentionality behind that? Yeah. Um, so I, I recently heard, um, I've been, I've been reading a lot of like craft books and I have, I forget who it was in this moment, but I was hearing someone reflect on, um, the space between words on the page being, being like a space for breath. Mm. Um, and so I think that I really started to think about the words that I was putting on the page and where, where do I want the breath? Where do I want that kind of feeling of expansiveness? And I think that this new book um, plays with that a lot more and kind of asks more of those questions about where do things belong in the context of the page? I think um, I was recently listening to a, a craft talk by Camille Dungy and she was talking about you know how we just assume everything's supposed to be left aligned and like is that is that what the page wants is that Mm -hmm. what the poem wants and Mm -hmm. I um, have really been thinking about that like what you know just trying to lean into the space of like what does the what does the poem want where where can there be room to breathe where Mm -hmm. are the spaces that I can slow this down Um, I love that curious about that I love that because what that does is um, it, in a way, it kind of makes it move from just being literary art to being visual art in a sense, because it's, you know, this placement and it becomes very multidisciplinary. I I actually, I'm a, um, I I consider myself a multidisciplinary artist because I'm a performer, Mm -hmm. but I'm also a writer. But even when you say how, um, with the breath, that is how I write when as a performance poet, you know, and it, it is, it, it, but usually that's for me and that's for me to know intrinsically. But I love this idea that you're putting this in your book um, because now it goes beyond you just sharing your words with your reader. 
you're sharing your whole method in that process with your reader. So they're literally reading it as you would. So it becomes more of a dance with the readers. That's very beautiful. I, I, I was fascinated by that when, um, when I saw it. And so I'm actually looking forward to hearing you perform um, and to present, not perform, to do your reading. <laughs> listen to me <laughs> go put on a hat and then, you know so, <laughs> I am not directing this so I I'm going to sit back as you um you present and you can um introduce your poem to us what we're about to hear thank you um this is called palm to my uterus um and it's after Lucille Clifton um she wrote she also wrote a poem called palm to my uterus palm to my uterus after Lucille Clifton Bright wanderer, homing station set for the gathering, one tiny studded heartbeat. You shed bright blood each monthly turn. I thought I'd trained you, how feeble my attempts to control my body, my worry, and still you barren home, empty of anything resembling family. Each try, frozen and fresh, familiar and foreign, anonymous men I chose from glossy catalogs. This one plays basketball. This one plays piano. I bring them all to you. Lay them bare. Dis divide my thighs, hoping. But you, stubborn and polyped, pocked with fibroids, ever unwilling. I strive to line you with rich blood. One book says fresh pineapple. One says avocado. I eat whatever magic promises to make you take. Maybe I've ruined you with Accutane or decades of ortho tricycline, pummeled the entry to your home with bleached water from public tubs, you worried carafe, sweet doomed hovel, show me what you need to make a life. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah. As it just settles. So I don't wanna tell all my business to people listening, um, <laughs> but that, you know, that, that touched me so much. Um, mm this phase of life that I'm in and you can put the um <laughs> put it together you know I'm at the the end of my fertility and um so when I read um that it just resonated with me it just uh and Lucille Clifton can we just say um what a wonderful continuance your pieces of her work um she's one of my favorites um and I was recently speaking with, I was talking to my partner um, about Lucille Clifton because um, he knows that I did a, a theatrical presentation some years back that where she was the narrator of sorts in spirit. Um, mm -hmm. And we shared some of her poems in this piece, but um, I was telling him that her poem, someone compared my work to it because a lot of her things were really short. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, because she had a lot of kids. <laughs> so she, <laughs> she, she had to get time to write. 
and go back to the kids. Yeah. But and so I think of just how your um, your piece just expands on um, a lot of the favorites that we know of Lucille Clifton, where mm-hmm. she talked, and, and she even said that she talked about body parts, you know, and mm-hmm. if someone asked her, why do you always talk about body parts? And she said, because she likes her, you know, and mm-hmm. so I just, you just gave such, um, such a, such a beautiful piece, such a beautiful piece. And I'm definitely looking forward um, to this collection um, called Yearn. So I, I would love it, um, Rage, as we close out, if you could tell us where folks can learn more about you, um, any, any news that you would like for us to know about and be on the lookout for you um, as we close out so people can find your, your beautiful work. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so my um, my website is ragehezekiah.com um, and my Facebook is ragehezekiah slash poet. Um, those are those are the two the two big ways that you can find me. Um, and the book will be out, yarn will be out with diode editions in July and pre-orders will open. March 1st and, and that'll be available on my on my website as well but um that's wonderful uh, do you have any events planned um for the launch yeah um I have a series of of readings um I live in Vermont so I have a series of readings in the in the Vermont Western Mass New York area um and then a couple of virtual events as well that will be um posted on my website but the the events page on my website and on my facebook are okay. most be sure be sure to share with us so that we can share with our audience um and, and folks can check you out um but thank you so much for being part of the black writer studio today it was such a pleasure to get to meet you and and hear your arts um just a lovely pleasure thank you for for joining us yeah thank you so much Khadija. it's really good talking with you thanks for having me Thank you for listening to the Black Writers Studio podcast, brought to you by the Hurston Wright Foundation. Learn more about Hurston Wright at hurstonwright.org. Thank you.